Good morning. Well, this time of year is one for advice, tips for living in 2019 abound in the media, life hacks as they're sometimes known now, are presented before us, especially at this time of year. A quick glance at the Sydney Morning Herald and ABC News websites yesterday, I found this kind of advice. Don't waste your dog's poo, compost it. How many kegs can you fit in Benz's groundbreaking ute? Seven ways to make New Year's Eve at home with kids more fun. Five essential exercises every healthy person should be able to do. These are the kinds of messages, these are the kinds of instructions we are given, we're bombarded with now with social media. It's interesting, but is it wisdom? In biblical terms, what we see so often in life, in social media, these kinds of instructions told to us to improve our life, to make our lives easier, really sound like more in biblical terms, like law, exercises you should be doing, foods you've been enjoying your whole life, but now you must not eat because they're going to give you cancer. In the book of Proverbs, which we're looking at this morning, Solomon, King Solomon, as he looked over his kingdom, as he'd been given this incredible responsibility, he didn't need life hacks. He didn't need little bite-sized pieces of advice. He didn't need only the law of God, the Ten Commandments. What he needed was wisdom. And that's what God gave him. We as humans need wisdom. In fact, you could argue that in modern life we need wisdom so much more than in a traditional life because there are so many more opportunities before us and with opportunities, decisions, and decisions need what? They need wisdom. We ask sometimes in Bible study groups or with Christ, in Christian contexts, sometimes we'll ask for prayer. We'll ask for prayer because we've got a decision, we've got a situation, there's a problem, you're having trouble with a difficult boss. And so what do you ask for? Well, it's not a moral question at that point, is it? The question is not, should I kill my boss? The question is, how do I negotiate this situation? How do I get through it? It's a question of wisdom. We need insight into how we work. We need insight into how other people work. And the great news is that the Bible has a number of books dedicated to wisdom. In the Old Testament, we've got the books of Ecclesiastes, the book of Job, and also the book that we're going to have a look at this morning, the book of Proverbs. And in that section, uh, just in verses 1 to 9, if you glance there at Proverbs chapter 1, you really have a summary of the whole book. Chapters 1 to 9 are a summary, uh, and verses 1 to 9 are a summary of the summary. Probably Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. Uh, There's evidence, though, that someone else has worked his material and included some other material in there. Hopefully you would have received one of these outlines and you can follow as we move along. Point two, wisdom as a trade. 
See, wisdom is not merely tricks to make your life easier. It's not life hacks. We live, arguably, in an information age, but it could be said we don't live in a wisdom age. What is wisdom in the Bible? Well, the word wisdom means simply to be skillful. And in its most basic sense, that's what wisdom is. And there's this great metaphor that the Bible uses to describe a wise person. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 6, when the tabernacle, when the tent of God is being made, we are told that the craftsmen who were working on it were skilled. They were skilled tradesmen as they brought their hands, their eyes, the materials that were before them to build this place of worship. And the word that's actually used there to describe these skilled tradesmen is the word actually for wisdom. These tradesmen were wise. They were wise because as stonemasons perhaps They knew how to handle all the different types of stones given to them. And so the wise person in life knows how to handle all the different situations of life that are given to them. You see, wisdom has this very practical element. Wisdom is not for the laboratory. Wisdom is for life in the Bible. You'll see there in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we read that this book is written for the obtaining of wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, verse 3, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. The assumption here is that we as humans lack wisdom. See there in verse 2, it needs to be obtained. You need to go and get it. It needs to be acquired. Here's another way to think about it. We are not naturally wise. We as human beings are, in fact, the book of Proverbs would say confrontingly, but honestly, that we are fools. And so the wise person asks this question. The wise person asks, What kind of fool am I? Fools in the book of Proverbs are out of touch with reality. But they're out of touch with reality in different ways. And you see there on the outline, I've outlined uh, just three types of fools. Probably the most prominent type of fools that the book of Proverbs speaks about. And if you want to be wise in life, you've actually got to understand what foolishness is. So firstly, there's the simple fool in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22 from our reading. How long, will you, how long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? The first type of fool is the simple fool. Sometimes it's understood as, as gullible, it, The simple fool lacks a knowledge. Often that lack of knowledge is associated with a lack of experience. A simple fool in the book of Proverbs is very easily led. A simple fool in the book of Proverbs is is just like a child, a child who hasn't grown up. They can't stick at anything. A simple fool in the book of Proverbs loves the spectacular. They love the glamorous. They love the popular. They love the forceful. 
the most dramatic. That's a simple fool. Secondly, an obstinate fool. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 5. A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Here's the essence of being an obstinate fool. An obstinate fool either can't take criticism or is opinionated. The obstinate fool knows everything. They can't learn anything. They know how things are to be, and if only they were running things, everything would be amazing. The simple fool believes everyone, but the obstinate fool believes nobody but himself or herself. Sometimes we joke about, oh, that person's so stubborn. Well, in the book of Proverbs, being stubborn is being foolish. Thirdly, the ruthless fool. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24. The proud and arrogant man, mocker is his name. He behaves with overwhelming pride. A mocker is a different kind of fool. A mocker is the kind of fool that's not an obvious fool. In fact, a mocker, well, they're often always very smart about money, ruthlessly so. A mocker is often always very smart about relationships, ruthless in relationships, exploitative, and in many cases, abusive. A mocker is someone you think you have a friendship with, but when they don't get what they want out of you, they drop you like a sack of spuds. A mocker is someone who is so utterly practical that they do everything for their own reward. Therefore, in the short run, a mocker kind of looks sophisticated. They look like they have a wisdom in the world, but a mocker in the length of a person's life are left alone because human beings were made by God for relationship. And to misunderstand the nature of relationships in the book of Proverbs is to be a fool. So there are three types of fools in the book of Proverbs. But how does wisdom work? Is wisdom simply doing the right thing? Often that's the way in which wisdom is understood in our world. We get this from Plato, the great kind of Greek thinker. And his idea was that really the problem with humans, the reasons why we encounter so many problems and issues in life is because we're ignorant. We just don't have the understanding. Greeks are very strong on this. They thought of humans as as computer hardware. And if we just insert the right software, then humans can work and function wholly and helpfully. But humans don't function like this. The reality of human existence is it's not merely a lack of understanding that's our problem that's part of our problem but that is not our whole problem in fact James says in the New Testament in the book of James that sin is a failure to act on the good that we know he says in James chapter 4 verse 17 if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it it is sin for them See, we often know what's 
the right thing. We often know what the good thing to do is, but we lack the ability to do it. Wisdom isn't simply the right information. Wisdom is the right information with the right motivation coming together. That's why we see there in chapter 1 verse 3 that wisdom is doing what is right and just and fair. There is a good of wisdom. The wise thing to do is always the right thing. But it's not just the right thing. Wisdom gives us an ability to do the right thing in the right way. The how and the when of doing the right thing. Fourthly, wisdom of sorry, fifthly, wisdom is for all stages of like life. Look at uh, verses four and five of chapter one. Who is wisdom for? Well, he says it's for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Notice who it's for there. Well, it's for the simple. That's not a simpleton. That's uh, a way in which Proverbs speaks of one who lacks experience or one who lacks knowledge. But wisdom is also for the wise, verse 5. It's for those who already have a level of discernment. In fact, the book of Proverbs says there's no graduation from wisdom. You can have an old fool and a young person can show a level of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 12 says this, very interesting. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. See what wisdom is about? Wisdom isn't about arriving. Wisdom is about searching, searching for wisdom, ever growing, knowing, in fact, that the more wisdom you have, the more ignorance, in fact, you understand about yourself and the world. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns around wrath. I met a man a couple of months ago and he had a car accident. The man whose fault it was actually got a little heated as, you know, often is the case with these road rage incidents. This man is a man close to 80. He's a man who, which God has been working in for over 50 years of his life. And he knew just what to say to this man who was all angry aggressive towards him even though it was his fault and his gentleness his wisdom was able to turn around the conversation such that he invited this man to come to church that Sunday and uh, he didn't require this man to fix the damage of his car there is wisdom there is wisdom But wisdom is not simply information. Wisdom has a beauty to it. Point six. Wisdom, we're told in the book of Proverbs, is like a woman, a beautiful woman. She becomes intoxicating, but you have to learn to see her. She sings to you, but you have to tune your ears to sing. Come over to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. You'll see just a really beautiful section of the book of Proverbs. Here uh, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom 
has this feminine quality, this allure to it. There in verse 7 of chapter 4, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honour you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendour. Do you see what wisdom is? Wisdom's not law. Thou shalt. Wisdom is not even the prophet saying, thus says the Lord. But wisdom is, was this wonderful thing that draws you in and you have to be drawn to it. You have to see its beauty. Wisdom, in fact, requires a level of creativity. Wisdom requires a sense of imagination. Wisdom comes alongside you and it asks you questions. It helps you think. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. I wonder if you've ever noticed. One man gives freely and yet gains even more. Wisdom asks, how does that work? Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. Wisdom asks, are you on that path? Proverbs 27 verse 7. He who is full loathes honey. Why are the rich not happy? See how wisdom works? Wisdom is not clear cut. Wisdom is not just the right answer. This is what we want, isn't it? A little like maths. For me as a kid, I didn't care about how I got to the answer. I just wanted the right answer. Wisdom's not like that. Wisdom doesn't give us curated boxes that fit neatly into our complex and messy lives. No, wisdom, wisdom is a woman singing to us, a beauty to see, one to be, one to behold, one to be seduced by. And finally, it's God's wisdom that the Bible speaks about. There are plenty of sources in our world of human wisdom. Have you seen the same kind of idea um, essentially change in different article to article or um, news headline to news headline? Why is, the rep- why is there such repetition? Because human wisdom is limited. But God's wisdom is unlimited. Have a look at verse 7. It's God's wisdom that only makes sense with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is a key idea in the book of Proverbs, that if you want God's wisdom, you've got to know God. Wisdom is given in relationship. See that word there in verse 7, the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is this concept of reverential love. This time of year, you might be even thinking of it right now, we love the beach. We love the beach. What do we like about the beach? We love it in summer because of the heat of the sun. What do we like about the beach? We love the waves and the water. But what is dangerous for us at this time of the year? It's the sun. It's those very waves that we love. Just with the beach, there needs to be a reverential love. And so with God, we need a reverential love. We love the beach, but we must respect it. 
And if we want wisdom, we must love God and respect him for who he is. Foolishness is not a lack of information. Foolishness, in its essence, is living as if there is no God. Psalm 14, verse 1. In the Bible, in the world of the Old Testament, and especially in the world of the New Testament, we see that people were ruled by fear. Their lives controlled about what they were afraid of. And this is the same world that we live in now. But the Christian person is not to walk through life as if it was a minefield, dancing around, hopping to try and avoid God or avoid his punishment. That is not the fear of the Lord that the Bible speaks of. Now, when we fear God, when we fear God, that destroys all other fear. As the old hymn says, fear him, you saints, and you will have nothing else to be feared. Because why is God to be feared? He's not merely to be feared because of the dread of his punishment. See, people still take drugs, even though that they know that it's bad for them. People smoke, even though they know it's bad for them. People use social media, even though they know it's bad for them. You see, we know what's harmful, and yet we'll do those very things that we know are harmful for us. See, the issue is not information. The issue isn't even fear of punishment. The essence of wisdom is the fear of God. It's a sense for who he is. It's a sense of awe and reverence. And when we have that, we become the right kind of fool. As I close, Jesus, he had the audacity to literally take the words out of the book of Proverbs and put them in his own mouth and talk as if he was the personification of wisdom. He says in Matthew chapter 7, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. How can Jesus do that? Well, he is the wise man. He's the wise man of the Bible. The wise men came to him as we saw at Christmas and they bowed down before him. At the age of 12, Mary and Joseph couldn't find Jesus because he was teaching those wise men, the scholars of his age, what wisdom was. In Mark chapter 6, verse 2, when he began his teaching ministry as an adult, everybody said, where did this man get this wisdom from? the one that Proverbs speaks of, the personification of wisdom. Wisdom in a human is found in Jesus. And you have to see Jesus rightly. You have to see his wisdom at work because the world won't see his wisdom. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, anyone who wants to be wise must become a fool. The only way to avoid being a simple fool, the only way to avoid being an obstinate fool, the only way to avoid being a ruthless fool is to become the right kind of fool. Jesus came himself as that foolish one. 
He came as a baby, helpless and weakless, in weakness. He said he was going to bring in the kingdom of God. He said he was going to defeat evil. And then he dies. He loses his power. He's tortured in suffering. And Paul says at that moment, at what the world would see as foolishness, there is the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Why? Why is this the wisdom of God? This is the wisdom of God because this is God redeeming us, his fools. We as people are simple fools. We are obstinate. We are ruthless. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his coming, and ultimately in his death and in his resurrection, there is true wisdom found. There is God's wisdom, and there is the source for us to live wise lives in the year ahead. There is an ability, if we know that Jesus has died for us, to live with humility and confidence. We live with humility and confidence for three reasons. Because God has revealed his wisdom. If God has revealed his wisdom, you are not simple anymore. You have the knowledge of God. God is working in us to transform us. And so as stubborn as you might feel, as stubborn as others might recognise you to be, the power of God is working in you. And God has shown finally his love and his grace. So you don't need to be ruthless. You don't need to do whatever it takes because God's shown his wisdom to you in the death of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we sing.